Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. With me is Ellie Mistal. How are you? We're all going to die. I mean, right. That's that's actually how the legal industry works. At the end of the day, uh, if you don't bill enough, you you do die. I just, I, I got, I just, the cunt, I... Oh, right. This is the part where you, like, hyperventilate about things that you think will allow you to be on TV more. No, I don't even want to be on TV. <laughs> I, don't I mean, honestly, I, 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 that, that's I, just I, not true. I don't even want to be on TV right now. Like, I don't see what, what. What the hell would I say? Oh, the president committed multiple crimes, and nothing is going to happen to him. Nothing is going to happen to him because all we can talk about is whether or not Robert Mueller seems super old. Like, that's I can't. That is problematic. <laughs> but I mean, it's. It's problematic, but it's problematic for reasons that make – they're problematic for reasons that make a lot of sense to me because people don't understand – and maybe this is a good topic for conversation. People don't understand what the legal industry is all about. Bob Mueller yesterday seemed to me like a lot of very prestigious, very thoughtful lawyers at big law firms and government positions across the country. Somebody who was very thoughtful, careful, worked out everything, was very, I'm not going to speak to that if I can't look at it and make sure I'm right. Just what a lawyer should, in theory, be. And the problem is a lot of the nature of the way media has turned in this country is Bob Mueller's showing up. He's going to start throwing fireballs. And it's like, well, no, um, he isn't. I think there's that. I think there's there's the issue of performative lawyering. That, you know, it, it it goes to people who kind of watch too much Law and Order and 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 yeah. and have never like actually listened to a courtroom trial. And people who you know, it's amazing this is happening at Congress because there are people who should be watching congressional testimony all the time, but people who haven't watched C-SPAN all the time have no idea what a lawyer sounds like when they are being essentially cross-examined. And Mueller sounded like, if you're surprised by how Mueller sounded, you just haven't been paying attention to how all lawyers sound if they, if yep. they possibly can. Right? If they yep. possibly can, what they're going to do is say, please refer me to the exact citation that you are talking about so I can read it before I answer anything that you're going to say, right? Like, that's the people's, oh, Mueller didn't have command of the facts. No, he had command of the facts. He wanted to know specifically to the page and paragraph number what the hell yeah. you guys were talking about before he answered. And all the congressmen could do is that as he was fumbling through the pages, they were like, ah, I've, I've got to keep moving on because I only have five minutes, which is why it was... it's also fucking dumb to question people in five-minute segments. Like, the whole thing yes. just starts off dumb, proceeds dumbly and leads to a dumb conclusion. And none of that is Mueller's fault. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I, I'm one of those people, and I actually had a Twitter exchange as the uh, hearings were going, where somebody, a right-wing person, said, oh, you know, this isn't going very well for you guys. And I was like, I, I don't know what you mean. As a lawyer, 
it's going pretty much according to form. He's responding to questions that are being posed to him in a very careful and measured way. And that's what I expected because I am one of those people who know Bob Mueller not personally but by reputation. But in his face, I saw 8 million mentors of mine over the years who would respond exactly the same way, who would go, okay, hold on. What do you mean? You mean that page? Yes, I would agree with that. Exchanges where, where people of both parties would ask questions where he'd go, I will agree to the first part of that, but I will disagree with your characterization of the second. Just a very careful deposition. And America isn't ready for depositions, and America doesn't want depositions because we've reached that stage of idiocracy where everybody wanted to watch a weird bomb-throwing competition. And when it didn't turn out to be that, unfortunately, the bastions of traditional media decided to start saying he's old and didn't have command of the facts, when what I saw was a perfectly competent prosecutor explaining what he did. And what he did was extensive. There was one Republican, I think oh, it was yeah. McClintock, who suggested that all Mueller did was, I mean, his analogy, and I am not being hyperbolic, his analogy was that he left a bag on America's doorstep and lit it on fire, as if he had left a poop bag on America's doorstep yeah. and run away, rung the doorbell and run away. That, that's not what that is. It's a 450 page careful report that y'all can't be bothered to read. So you want it more to like give you like the cartoon strip of it. It's just, yeah. it's so freaking frustrating. That was my early morning. Within the first two questions, I put out the tweet that was shorter version of the Democratic side of this hearing. This is audible. <laughs> the whatever the title is, the uh, report, special counsel report into 2016 presidential election Russian interference by Robert Mueller, read by the author. That's what it was. They wanted him to like say in a short version, the careful legal work that they had. And it's, it's problematic. And the way in which bad journalists, and I'm, we'll just put this all on Maggie Haberman. We don't have to. She's obviously a terrible person who pretends to be a journalist, but she's part of a system of other bad journalists. So it's not just her, but people she's, like her who said, why should we care about this? This isn't exciting enough. Like she's part of the crystallism, like just terrible, hackish, awful people who shouldn't have jobs. She made quips apparently early about it saying, nobody's going to remember this. It's not exciting enough. And I'm like, okay, well, you don't understand the law, and this is why we're broken. So that's why I, I put the blame there. Yes, I responded to that quip that she made that you got exactly right. I responded, but her email's right. Like, these are the same people that did, you know, three years of fucking email stories, but the Mueller report yeah. wasn't exciting enough for them. And, and by well, the way, like, there was, the, you know, you had to listen to the whole hearing. You had to, like, wait till the end to, to get some of this stuff. But, like, he actually did confirm he, he did more than reiterate it reiterate his report mm -hmm. he confirmed some of the characterizations that the democrats wanted him to confirm you know he confirmed that he felt that trump's answers to the written questions were not just merely inadequate but they were untruthful he confirmed yeah. that he that the characterization that trump instructed white house aides to falsify testimony, commit to his investigation. These are crimes. He confirmed them 
in public and like nobody saw it. I just I'm sitting here today reading the reports, listening to the coverage, and it's like he confirmed crimes in front of Congress and nobody heard that part because they were too busy right. being like, Why did you sound like an old man? Like it just uh and uh, and uh, put aside crimes, uh, confirmed at least crime. There's at least one instance of obstruction that's involved in that discussion. But it it was always this has been very much a test of how smart and legally literate America is. And the answer is not very. Uh, they don't seem to understand. I mean, one of the more damning tweets of the day was Kellyanne Conway, who, you know, if she needs legal help, she could turn over and ask. Uh, George is right there to explain why all this is wrong. But she put out early when Mueller said there was no evidence of collusion. She said, and drop the mic. And I said, and I replied to it with, and then pick it back up again for the part where they talk about obstruction. Because that's the issue. There was no collusion between the campaign and the Russians. That is not ultimately what the report comes down to being. The report comes down to being there is a Russian attempt to interfere the election, which the campaign was not actively cooperating with, but that is immaterial to the— But was accepting help? No, but that's—but they weren't They weren't accepting help in any way that really mattered. Like, that's the thing. And that was part of the problem with the liberals who really wanted this kind of weird, almost QAnon level of collusion between the two, which— that was always kind of a stretch and weird, this idea that Trump's a Manchurian candidate, which, you know, let's sit down. If you're the Russians and you're trying to create a Manchurian candidate to take over over America, you wouldn't go to the dumb guy who, like, has already gone bankrupt a million times. You'd probably go to somebody who's a better resume. So that was never going to make much sense. That said, obstruction, which is a crime— was happening all over the place and confirmed by Mueller's report and Mueller— his testimony yesterday confirmed it. And the idea that people want, liberal people wanted way too much, conservative people wanted way too little. What you have is a lawyer saying the very basic thing. We initiated an investigation. The guy obstructed justice. I was not allowed to indict him. Therefore, I wrote a report saying to the decision maker whose power was to whether or not to recommend indictment, here's what I found, and you can make a decision based on it. And if you understand the legal conventions involved, it was a very straightforward set of events. I agree with that. I don't actually don't agree with your soft selling of the collusion aspect. I think, I think that is your narrative that you have adopted because it makes you sound smart compared to liberals who are screaming about criminal conspiracy, which clearly did not happen, and it makes you sound smart compared to conservatives who are screaming that nothing happened when, no, something happened. In the testimony, Robert Mueller said that, you know, that the Trump administration, you know, was willing to accept the help that Russia offered. Not that they asked for it, not that they were, you know, not that they paid for it or whatever, but that they did not do anything to to dissuade it. Um, And I thought one of the most, on the collusion thing, one of the most damning parts of the testimony was that Mueller, you know, said again in front of Congress, in front of everybody, that not only were the Russians, and and he said this point multiple times, the Russians were helping Donald Trump, right? That was actually something Republicans still don't want to agree, like that Russians actually wanted Donald Trump to be elected. Um, But he said, you know, I thought impactfully that he believed that Russians were continuing to help Donald Trump. 
like oh, yeah. right now. And I forget which Democrat says oh, like, wait, right now. He's like, yes, now happening now. Yeah. So like, again, and that's not part of the media narrative because it, it, he didn't, because he didn't say it like I just said it. Right. Cause he didn't scream it. Cause he wasn't having his hair fall out while he was talking about it. Cause he wasn't kicking over trash cans and stopping right. it. He just said, I agree. Like, uh, <laughs> no. And, and that's a good point. I, to, push back against your characterization of me as a, oh, I'm going to find the hot take that's in the middle. I will say, like, absolutely his point, independent of the, and that comes to, Mueller is not there to indict a president. He was asked to investigate a whole range of crimes that involved many, many people, and many of them he has successfully indicted. And that involves the collusion that may have been happening with all sorts of folks and the interference that's going on continuing, as he said. But that doesn't necessarily involve a criminal conspiracy with the president. And that that's another part where America's legal literacy is wrong, right? That's a part where everybody said the Russians are trying to sow chaos by hacking into social media and trying to change the narrative, is the president involved somehow? And it's like, well, maybe, maybe not. He might actually, he and his campaign may actually be too dumb to be directly involved. That does not mean that it is not a threat. And Mueller's like, my job isn't necessarily to put somebody in jail here. My job is to investigate a series of crimes. And some people are going to go to jail, and it's not necessarily the targets that you're after. So you're right. The only reason we talk about collusion is because Donald Trump has hacked the media and forced it to, or, or convinced it to use his words. Collu- the first person who said collusion was Donald Trump, okay? The first person who, was co- who came out with collusion was Donald Trump in the phrase, no collusion. That is his invention. That is his word. That is his goalpost that yeah. for some reason the rest of the media decided to follow along and try to match. That was never what the goalpost should have been, which was A, simply to understand what the Russians did and how they did it, and B, who helped them do it, right? That was, that was the point of this investigation. Trump invented the collusion thing, which, as you point out very well, is not an actual legal term, as Mueller pointed out very well. The actual term is criminal conspiracy, and quite frankly, as everybody is now pointing out, the legal hurdle to get from uh, these guys helped and maybe these guys knew about the help and da, 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 to actual international criminal conspiracy is quite high. And I accept Mueller's findings, by the way, despite my clear liberal bias. Yeah. I accept Mueller's findings that he did not meet that standard. That the very high standard of actual criminal conspiracy, there was not evidence to support that. I believe Mueller when he says that. Now. Yeah. Might we have found such evidence if Mueller had interviewed Donald Trump or Donald Trump Jr. or Jared Kushner or Ivanka Trump? Oh, we could talk about that. Certainly, we Maybe. might have found more yeah. more evidence about Trump's obstruction of justice had Mueller taken the road to subpoenaing, subpoenaing Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr. and Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump. And by the end of the hearing, we finally got there. We finally got there where Mueller was directly asked why he didn't subpoena the president. And Mueller said that he wanted to subpoena him, that he, that he was worried about how much time it would take for the president to fight through all the subpoenas. Yeah. But he reaffirmed that he found the president's answers inaccurate, 
unhelpful. And then when pressed by uh, Congresswoman Val Demings um, about whether or not those answers were truthful, she said, she asked, you know, did you find those Trump's written answers untruthful? Mueller said, yes, generally, which to me sounds like where you follow up. Like if you're a Democrat, right? To me, it sounds like, well, but her time is up. Right. Right. Her, Her like three minutes of time is up. Because of the way that whole exactly. hearing was that, set that, up, that's that's how yeah. we we decided to to run this. It's just, but so I don't know. But I don't no, know. I, in defense of Mueller, there, it, and this goes to kind of my stance as which you're trying to cast as radically centrist, whereas I very much think it's more like just procedural legally. Mueller's take of why not go at, and make a issue a subpoena that you know is going to be fought for a long time. Mueller's stance is. I don't need to get, you know, pin a trophy of saying I took down a president. I'm investigating crimes. And Mueller, to Mueller's take, at least as far as I can tell, based on the report and based on the hearings, Mueller's take is I did not want to delay a report that says I don't care about the president. Russia is absolutely interfering with elections and something needs to be done about it. I did not want that message to become subservient to ooh, is there a possibility that there's an outside chance of building an impeachment case against Trump? And he's like, I'm not going to delay a report for two, three years when I need to get out to the public. Something is happening here that is more fundamentally important than any one individual and whether or not they go to jail. And I hear that. I think there is something to be said for that. And I think it's a shame that the media narrative, as well as some to some extent the political narrative, has focused on are we going to prosecute X, Y, Z? It's this whole prosecution is the whole thing mentality. There is an important job that an investigator like he, like a former director of the FBI, pulled off there. We're really detailed. Here are things that are currently happening that a foreign power is doing to undermine the country. We should get on that. And it's become, unfortunately, sidetracked into... Let's see what we, you know, if we can build a case against one person or not. And that's yeah, why he well, didn't I, want to delay it. And I get that. Yeah, I get it. But I, but I don't think that's a strong argument. I don't think that's a good argument. And the reason why is because if Mueller is really concerned about stopping the foreign power from influencing our elections, he has to be a man not just of the law, but also of his moment and also of his time. And he has to understand, he probably has to understand better than anybody, that you will not get action against the foreign threat threatening America if you allow Trump to maintain his position, essentially. That Trump himself is a block on getting anything done about the Russian interference. And so when you have Trump running around being able to uh, arguing that he cooperated with the investigation and you know he's not cooperating with your investigation, I do think that you have a duty to show he's not cooperating with the investigation. And the way that you show that is through subpoenas. Quite frankly, and this is, this is a point that I will not retreat on, there is no other non-white person in America who does not get subpoenaed in that situation, including if that non-white person happens to be the president of the United States. That is, there's simply no non-white person that 
flouts Mueller's investigation, provides him with inadequate, incomplete, untruthful, written out answers, and does not find his ass subject to a subpoena. That just doesn't happen. Sure, sure. And, and, but I mean, that's that was a point that I think Mueller powerfully makes in the entire second half of the report where they talk about obstruction. That's his whole point is all these bad things happened and what can I do about them? Because that's a part of the problem. He's not able to do anything about them. And that's that's a good transition point to one of the most galling questions that kept coming up throughout the hearing that I feel the media did a terrible job of fixating on was there were some Republican legislators on that panel, including some who ostensibly are lawyers, who kept saying, prosecutors, they can only indict or not indict. They can't pass judgment. True. Why is it you wrote all these bad things about Trump and then didn't indict? And he's like, because I was not allowed to. So my orders were to write a report that gave whoever the attorney general happened to be at the time, the option to either take action or not. That was my charge. I did my charge. And their response was basically, I mean, if you weren't indicting, then you shouldn't have done anything. A, a, a good, uh, I think Rachel Perron, a good uh, friend of ours uh, of the website, uh, responded to my Twitter about that with, with a fake quote of, if you weren't personally planning to frog march him out of the White House, then why would you even look into this? That's basically what that <laughs> question was. And it's a testament to how people didn't get the overlapping issues of, yes, that's what a prosecutor should do. But no, sometimes there's a rule that says you can't do that. And if the instructions to the special counsel are this, then they have to write the report this way. It's an ordered, dry, boring world law. And people don't like that. And that's a real problem. And it's the it's was on display over the last 24 hours for us, for you all, the last 72. My issue on this point was was how they kept yelling about the presumption of innocence. What happened to the presumption of innocence? Don't we have a presumption of innocence in this country? He's a fucking prosecutor. Prosecutors are not required to presume innocence, and it'd be fucked up if they did, right? It would just be, it would be mm. weird. It would be hard for a prosecutor to do their job if they had to, the entire time, presume that nothing, ha nothing wrong happened. Trump I disagree with that concept. Has, uh, Trump absolutely has a presumption of innocence in front of a jury, and I would like to see him in front of one. But until that point, I have no problem with Mueller charged to investigate crimes, trying to see if there were crimes committed, as opposed to right. whatever the Republicans thought they were saying when they were arguing that Mueller shouldn't have even... I don't, even, I don't know what they want him, want him to do. Shouldn't have even looked into this, as you put it. Can we talk a little, little bit about the OLC memo? Sure. Uh, there is a fairly ill-advised legal opinion that is sitting out there that people are taking as precedents. I don't know if you know what precedence is. It used to be this thing before the current Supreme Court where you would assume that a decision made in the past is probably true. Uh, this current court doesn't seem to get that, but generally that's how it works. And there is a past decision that said that presidents probably can't be subject to the traditional criminal justice system. They should not be able to be impeached and tried in a normal 
course of criminal justice for a variety of reasons that are, you know, on facially make some sense, like a president couldn't do their job if they're constantly fending off criminal cases, whatever, and that the actual constitutional response is to, you know, put them in an impeachment sort of a situation, uh, if you can do that. So that's what this memo says. And that's why, theoretically, no matter what the special counsel report found, they were not able to bring charges. They were only able to bring to the attention of the attorney general here things that could be charges. Do you think Mueller was right to follow it? I mean, I don't know as though he had any choice, right? Like, because of the way in which the Clinton administration killed the special counsel rule or allowed it to sunset, which I understand why they might have, they had some issues with the special counsel in their time, mostly self-inflicted. Anyway, they had issues. They allowed it to sunset. The Republicans never liked it in the first place, so it died. And now, instead of an independent counsel, the Office of Independent Counsel is what they allowed to die, this special counsel works for the attorney general entirely and has no authority that is not given to that office through the president. And so you could say, I'm not going to follow it, but who cares? You don't have authority under the current setup. So the memo exists in a way that blocks them, but that memo is controlling as the system set up. That's why an Office of Independent Counsel was originally created. Do you think that Mueller should have said, hang the memo, this president should be indicted for obstruction of justice? I mean, he could have done that. Uh, at that point, he probably would not have been able to issue a report that said any other thing, and the whole investigation would have fallen apart. And if you believe, as I think Mueller does, there are bigger fish to fry than one guy here, there's a value to putting all of these 30-some-odd people in jail who have been doing actual damage to democracy in a more direct way, then you don't do that because you've got to do what you've got to do to fix what I think Mueller would say is the actual cancer going on, which is the continual work at a low level of undermining democracy by Russians paying off and people and doing social media hijinks and hacking and 8 million other things that he's been putting people in jail for. After you release the report, your investigation is closed, it's over, it's probably been stopped by, by the Attorney General, and now you're in the situation where you're in front of Congress. Do you think that Mueller was right to continue to follow the guidance of the OLC memo as opposed to stating clearly the president should be indicted for obstruction of justice. I mean, he said in response to, oh, this is another good legal lesson. Let, let, we, that's a good transition point. So Buck, who ostensibly is a lawyer, asked a, <laughs> a series of questions. Uh, a one lesson that they One lesson that they teach you is don't ask a question you don't already know the answer to. He asked a question. What was that question that he asked, and uh, what was the answer he got? Man, you don't need to be off the transcript. You can just give us generally what happened. Buck asked Mueller if the president could be indicted after he left office. Based on the evidence in the report. Based on the evidence in the report, if the president could be indicted after he left office. And Mueller said, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mueller basically responded with, oh, yeah, no, I mean, this is a crime. I, I, I just couldn't do anything about it. Which is brilliant. Yeah. Which, but that, unfortunately, that gets us into 
the necessity of Trump losing in 2020 for this to happen. And here is where, where ultimately I think the OLC memo is wrong. And I think that I was about to say I don't think it would hold up in court. Of course, it will hold up in court. With I think it would court. hold up in court, unfortunately. But I don't think it would hold up in court with a more liberal court. Um, because if you, if you take the OLC memo to mean that the president cannot be indicted for crimes that he commits while he is in office, that only works if you are assuming the president can be indicted for crimes that after he leaves office. But because there is nothing that tolls the statute of limitation on crimes, if, in this situation, if we assume that the obstruction of justice starts you know, 2018 or stops 2017, 2018. If Trump wins re-election by 2024, the statute of limitations will have told and there will be no opportunity to indict the president for his crime. So if we go by the OLC memo, then what we have is seriously a president who is above the law, is seriously a president who could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and get away with it. Right. Because well, the, he can't the be indicted. Isn't the- the problem isn't the OLC memo. That's the whole issue. The problem is the lack of an Office of Independent Counsel. And all of these things we have kind of metastasized in the post-Nixon world. Well, it was created in the post-Nixon world or immediately pre to post-Nixon and then has metastasized into this way in which the executive is considered imperial. The OLC memo only matters if you don't have an Office of Independent Counsel, which we get rid of Office of Independent Counsel, so then it goes, it falls to these people who are at the whim of the Department of Justice. Then there's an OLC memo. Like, the OLC memo is not the problem. It's a symptom. The lack of Congress's ability to create a purely independent counsel to look into things is a problem. And it's a reason why in the post-Nixon era they created this sort of thing. If you ask Neil Kotyal, who wrote yes. the special counsel guidelines, Correct. he says that they are being misinterpreted right now. And he wrote them. He, he, he and they are. Being misinterpreted. And, and they are. And and we may we we should. Uh, I'll I'll see if I can get Neil on the line here uh, for a discussion about this. But Neil's right. Like they are being misinterpreted. But it's not like. I think if you pressed him, he would not say that the special counsel rules are his ideal rules. They're the rules that he drafted and created and that are robust, but they're robust within the the cabining that you can't have an office of independent counsel. I'm not altogether sure he wouldn't agree that an office of independent counsel would be a better option. So that's kind of the problem. You've already created a situation where the where they're subordinate to the DOJ, and that's always going to create some problems. And there are regulations that can try to cabin against and push against those problems, but there's problems. You know? What else is going on? Eh, not much. You're, uh, you're in the city. I am not in a rare twist. I'm usually the one in the office on, on Thursdays diligently. But unfortunately for our scheduling purposes, I happen to be out of town. So, you know, I'm coming to you remotely we didn't do our usual opening because everything's because we're all gonna die we didn't but we didn't we didn't well i mean we've grinded our gears and uh and there we go 
Anyway, we're right at our time, so we will let people go, and we will uh, be back next week with some more fun stuff. You should be reading Above the Law, obviously. You should be listening to this podcast, subscribing to this podcast, giving this podcast reviews, not just some stars, though we love all five of them. You should also be writing something, because the more engagement is what like convinces the computer that you're out there and actually caring about the podcast. We know you're out there. We see you downloading it. Just write something nice. Talk about Ellie's hair, whatever. Because, by the way, you have been getting a lot of comments about how you've been aggressively, like, going with the mad scientist look. Yeah, they told me to do it. Like, I, so once we hit the summer, I was going to cut it off because it's hot. But I was in makeup and they were just like, are you, you can't cut your hair. Ask around. And then I asked, like, other hosts on the network. And they were like, I thought you liked doing TV. It's like, I do. Well, well, then you can't lose your hair. It's your brand now. So apparently, my hair is my brand. I would have thought it was my incisive analysis, buttressed by the occasional humor. But actually, my hair is my brand. I mean, it's like, what if Doc Brown <laughs> from Back to the Future, you know, was black? That's kind of what I think you're rolling with. The thing that people don't understand is that, remember, I have natural fucking hair. This is how my hair is supposed to look. And well, right. I, and so, right. And so one of, one of the things that people don't understand, well, people, one of the things that white people don't understand is that right. the reason why this is natural for people with my skin complexion is that when it's fucking hot, like it is right now, my hair basically acts as a headband. Like, is that, that's why it grows like this. I... I very rarely get sweat in my eye unless I squish my hair because I've got a headband on. It's just hot as balls. Um, yeah, I no, I um, what I, yeah, no, oh no, absolutely. No, it, you, you talk like, you talk like even <laughs> why people here. White people also have the the problem of too much hair means hot. Like, it's not like the laws of thermodynamics stop operating just because you happen to have white privilege. It's one of the few things we don't get to opt out of. So, no, I mean, but still, like the, like the, 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 I was going more with the, by the way, also, and a testament probably to the, the privilege issue, I would also say that the, um, I was talking more about the gray uh, was kind of the, the, like the wild and gray was kind of the thing that was the issue, not so much just the fact that it grows out, but like you've been growing it into this kind of gray, I'm going to grow old in front of you sort of a way that I think that people have been commenting on. I think people have been commenting on you more like, I actually got one tweet that said, it was it was like your those stereotypical pictures of presidents who grow old like in office, but you've been doing it over the last twelve months. Was one that I saw, <laughs> where like oh you know a president like goes gray over four years and like you did it in like twelve months that sort of thing. Yeah. Anyway, we're we're off topic. The point is, so uh, you're getting all that attention. You should follow him on Twitter at lenyc. He's talking all the time about events in the world, many of them that we've talked about today. I'm at Joseph Patrice. You should follow the other LTN podcasts. You should follow the Jabot, which is another Above the Law podcast. You should be, just tell a friend, listen to this show, see what happens. All right, that's it. Let's get you out of here. Peace. All right, bye. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, 
please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.